And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me once again in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Again, happy to be here. Gentlemen, it's good to have you here in the studio. Today we have an interesting question. It'll probably spawn any number of questions, and that is concerning the Bible itself. You know, as Christians... Uh, We have a heart devotion to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we learn about him, certainly, from the Bible. And one of the questions that comes to mind is uh, simply this, where does the Bible come from? And maybe starting off first, what does the Bible say about itself as to its origin? Well, I think maybe the starting point is that the Bible is the Word of God, Uh, That means it has its source in the divine. It is revelation. God has revealed himself in the written word. And so uh, that seems to me to be the source, that that wonderful and marvelous verse that we find uh, in 2 Timothy, which says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, meaning that it finds its origin in him he breathed it out, even though it says mm-hmm. inspiration here. Um, it means God breathed scriptures. Also in Second Peter, we have him writing about that. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So we have men speaking from God being moved by the Holy Spirit. So it's not just uh, something that God gave us. I mean, there are aspects of it. The the Decalogue God gave us, yeah, he carved that into the stones for Moses. But he also used human beings, but inspired them so that they would write the scriptures, so that it is without error. You know, Mark, that's a uh, good uh, point. We are encountering uh, a world religion uh, that has a holy book, and uh, it's called the Quran. It's the holy book for Muslims, but it literally was just dropped out of heaven and dictated to mm-hmm. Muhammad. Uh, Christians believe that, except for passages like you say, where we have recorded the direct action of God, that this holy scriptures, while it is the word of God truly from God, it comes through human beings and human sources. And uh, through their hand and through their mouth, uh, God gives us his word. And in one sense, we can say that the scriptures can also be, for instance, the word of the Apostle Paul or the word of Peter Hmm. or the word of Isaiah. And so it is both the word of God, but it also can be said to be the word of man. Mm -hmm. So that these men... And by the way, how many men were there approximately that participated this You know, way? the figure that you normally hear, and it's probably uh, very, very close, 40. You usually hear 40 authors uh, authored the scripture as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and not over uh, a short period, but over a period actually of 1,600 years, mm-hmm. if, we, mm-hmm. if we look at the biblical history. And so that's quite a feat. In fact, the Bible is not just a book. It's a library. Hmm. It really is a library of many different kinds of 
literature. It has poetry. It has wisdom mm-hmm. sayings. It has apocalyptic style writing. I'm it glad you mentioned straightforward that. Straightforward preaching, <laughs> teaching, metaphor, you parable, may, You may wonder why I'm so glad you mentioned that, because... Um, Sometimes people misuse the Bible, I think, as a magical book of numbers, and they treat every passage as the same genre, you know? Um, Some of it's poetic, as you say. Some of it's prophetic. Some of it's uh, didactic. And those genres are to be observed so that we can properly interpret the Scriptures. In fact, that's part of the inspiration. If you yeah. disobey the genre, you will not understand the Scripture. Yeah. That's yeah. part of the revelation. Yeah. I defy anyone to read the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon and try to literalize everything there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you would get into real trouble. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, uh, when Jesus talks about the meek or the Sermon on the Mount, he is clearly telling us in a very straightforward, using metaphor, of course, and mm-hmm. simile, that this is uh, straightforward teaching. Yeah, good point. So here we have these approximately 40 men who become instruments for God's Word being passed to us, and so that now we can say with Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And here are these holy men of God being moved along by the Holy Spirit. So that sounds rather unique in terms of the history of the writing of books. Correct me if I'm wrong there. That is unique in in the history of the writing. The Holy Spirit moving these men to write these prophecies, but also, I think in some sense, the Holy Spirit using the people of God to recognize that this, in fact, was the Word of God. Mm. And the care that was taken, for example, if you look at the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, the care that was taken to transmit the Old Testament was so great so that we know that the Old Testament that came through is accurate. Mm. You know, the variants are very small. For example, when they were copying, since they had the copy at that time, they didn't have printing presses. The scribe that would copy that down, when it would get to the holy name of God, he'd go through a ceremony. Oh, isn't that interesting? He, yeah, he would, yeah, he would have to go through a whole uh, cleansing ceremony if you uh, go mm. to uh, Israel in Qumran. They believed that there was scribes there that would copy the scriptures. And what they had there was a lot of ceremonial baths in this one place, a lot more than what you find, because they were copying scriptures. And, and of course, that's where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, that guaranteed the accuracy. And then, of course, they'd count them. They'd count all the letters of what they'd copy, and they'd count all the the, uh, what was in the original. And if they were off by one, they started over. So they were extremely careful because they knew the material they were working with was very special. We know by manuscript studies, for instance, families of manuscripts, Hmm. how accurate they were. We have uh, no doubt as to what the Old Testament and the New Testament essentially consists. Uh, It's Mm. not like some other ancient document. More work has been done to ensure the integrity of of the biblical text than any other writing on earth. And, and of course, that's rooted in deep Christian uh, devotion, uh, right. believing devotion, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. You know, it is interesting that, that almost all the writers, except for one, uh, happen to be Jewish. We yeah. think possibly St. Luke was not. So the Bible actually comes through the history of Israel, and finally, through yeah. our Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. who chose his apostles. And so... 
we have a very, very wonderful uh, transmission history to dwell on. It's worthy to dwell on. Well, we're um, up against a break here, gentlemen. Um, Mark, you mentioned something that caught my attention, that after the break, maybe we can pick it up. And that is, you alluded to the fact that people recognized the Word of God. And in that is the idea of the church and the Holy Spirit working in conjunction with His church. And uh, perhaps we could pick that up on the other side of the break. You're listening to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Stay with us now. We'll be right back. To hear what you would say, word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place, please let me stay. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. In the studio with me today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Today we're talking about the Bible and how God gave us His divine Word, the means that He used. And right before the break, gentlemen, we started to talk just a little bit about the notion of the church the body of Christ recognizing 
through the centuries what was and what was not the Word of God. Who can help us get started now on that aspect of this? Well, I think one of the things, if you look at the New Testament, you you find that already uh, people recognized that what was being written at that time was scriptures. If you look again in Second Peter three sixteen, where Peter is writing, and he's actually referring to Paul, mm. and it says, also in all his letters, speaking to them of these things, in which some things are hard to understand. Yeah, don't we agree with that, huh? <laughs> uh, which uh, the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures mm. to their own destruction. So you see, Peter is recognizing that the things that Paul was writing were scriptures. That's right. Indeed. That's a wonderful point. Uh, yes, the, the, the church has a role in uh, the scripture, and that's an important role that the church uh, plays. Surely God... Uh, gave the scriptures to Christians, uh, to the believing community, but also in the Holy Spirit working in the church had to recognize that this was indeed the Word of God. I don't know of a theologian that has done a better service to the church and to the believing community than B.B. Warfield. Mm. And he has done, uh, that's an old Princeton theologian uh, mm-hmm. who did a great deal of work in this area. Yes, the church received it and recognized it to be the Word of God because it contained God's revealed truth and revelation and was consistent with itself. Mm. Now, that name may not be familiar to some of our listeners, and that was who now? B.B. Warfield. Benjamin Breckenridge Warfield. Okay, so if you want to do a Google on that... You can Wonderful look name. Up. Yeah. 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 yeah I, uh, before we opened the mics here today, before you guys came into the studio, I noticed there was uh, one article on the web called The Formation of the Canon of the New Testament. And lo and behold, the author was B.B. Warfield. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And it was published 1892 by the American Sunday School Union in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, he was certainly a great thinker and... Uh, careful scholar that's blessed all of us through hmm. his uh, reading yeah. his works. I have enjoyed his works immensely. I know Mark has yeah. uh, probably feasted upon his writings. <laughs> Some of his works, yeah. yeah. So that's a good reference, thanks. Yeah. yeah, the church recognized what was scriptures, and they needed to, but they also needed to do that for a number of reasons. And, and for example, now in, uh, you had the Council of Carthage, and I think it's 363, I don't remember the exact date, which recognized the canon exactly as we have it today. But they weren't saying we are determining this. They are saying we accepted this, and this is what's accepted as the canon, and it's been accepted throughout the years. Now, part of the necessity for that is to define what is and what isn't. In other words, you Mm -hmm. had some, and and I know before we started, Pastor Vance mentions one of the guys who tried to... uh, Mess up the canon, if you will. You know, that phrase, uh, canon, maybe we should explain that. It's not an ordinary word that we use, Mm -hmm. and uh, probably many Roman Catholics, when you use the word canon, would think of canon law. Uh, Think more of canon as a rule of faith, meaning that these Mm -hmm. books that Mm -hmm. we have are authoritative, and they alone contain the rule of faith, or the faith once delivered unto the saints. That's why they're authoritative. Mm-hmm. They're from God, and they teach us what we are to believe and practice in our lives. So the canon is a rule or a set of authoritative works, books, letters mm-hmm. 
that we call the Bible, and we uh, appreciate them. You can see this in some scholars in literary circles talk about the Western canon. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about authoritative books that would be good to read to be informed about Western civilization. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the biblical canon, meaning those books that you need mm-hmm. to read and to study because they are the Word of God. And the church excluded others, other books. They, they were other candidates, but they I'm excluded them. I'm glad you mentioned that because I sit here thinking, I wonder what is going through the mind of our forebears in the faith, the church, as God directs them to say, you know, this this book has the feel, texture, thus saith the Lord, attributes of Holy Scripture, whereas this one over here does not. What would be some of those, I don't want to call it simple, but simply put, briefly, uh, what would be some of those things or lines of thinking that they would be going through as they sorted yeah. this out? One of the things that they would be looking at, especially if we're talking about New Testament here, is it written by an apostle or under apostolic authority? Hmm. No, Luke was not an apostle, but he was gathered all that information from the apostles and those kinds of things. So was it an apostle? Did it have apostolic authority? Mm-hmm. That certainly is a very clear criterion. Um, one thing that we should uh, mention here is that the church has been challenged through the centuries to include Works, For instance, there are Gnostic texts that we are discovering today, and there are a lot of groups that have special interests. For instance, those very secular feminists, they don't much care about Christianity, but they want the Christian church to include these Gnostic writings in the canon. (laughs) Now, why is that? Mm -hmm. Because it is really introducing paganism into Christianity. So the church rightly continues to reject any Gnostic writing, mm-hmm. it's wrong on many accounts. It doesn't have the correct view of creation, doesn't have the correct view of Christ, and on and on and on. And it doesn't have the correct view of salvation. Yeah. So, consequently, the church has no choice, since it received the Word and stands on the Word, to reject that which is not the Word. I think mm-hmm. that's ironic that here, these Gnostic Gospels, many of them sprung up in the second century, and the church had to reject them back then, and for almost 2,000 years, they were rejected. <laughs> and now, lately, they're coming back. And then, oh, you know, there's a terrific Dan Brown and, no, and, yeah, and terrific and attempt to yeah. get Christians to recognize <laughs> these Gnostic Gospels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's a shame. And yeah. so uh, th- that, of course, is it, we have to be eternally vigilant to yeah. guard the mm-hmm. Word of God. So the idea of it being written by an apostle coming from and possessing apostolic authority. I'm reading here a, a scripture verse that goes along with this idea. First Thessalonians 2.13, it says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. And so... There was something special about this word that came through these special people that God had put in place, and the church recognizes then what is and what is not the word yes, of God. through the power of the Spirit, Yeah, because the Spirit gave the word, and the Spirit in mm. us recognizes that word. You might mm-hmm. say Spirit recognizes its own yeah. word mm. in us. Uh, that is a, a marvelous truth. There's another thing that Warfield points out. 
is there must be some kind of general consent of all the parts. Hmm. Okay. Meaning that there's a certain consistency. And what is that consistency? Every portion of the scriptures that we have in the Bible, in one way or another, Christians believe points to Christ. Yeah. And it has to be consistent with the gospel. That reminds me, I'm glad you brought that up, because, again, before we opened the mic, I was reading some scripture verses. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 39, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. And so in context, here Jesus is saying, these Old Testament scriptures point to me, point to Messiah Jesus coming. Even the writer to Hebrews, he says, Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. So, indeed, the... A canonical work will always testify of Christ. And Christ, as he truly is, truly God Mm -hmm. and truly man who came into the world to seek and to save the lost. Jesus also talks about sections of Scripture in Luke 24 where he says, All things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So here's these different sections all pointing to Jesus Christ. That's called the law, the prophets, and the writings. And if you make an acrostic out of it in Hebrew, it would be Torah, it would be Nevi'im, prophets, Mm -hmm. and it would be Kethubim, writings, and that turns into an acrostic called Tanakh. Wow. And Tanakh Mm -hmm. is the Old Testament. It's Mm. what Jewish people call the Old Testament today, the Tanakh. Very interesting. The Old Testament is a Christian Mm. way of referring to it because it implies a new. Mm. So you got the new and the old. And that, by the way, the new and the Old Testament nomenclature or terminology comes from the prophet Jeremiah. And he talks Mm. about a new covenant Mm -hmm. I will make with you. That's really neat. Even the terminology comes from the Bible. Well, today we're talking about the Bible here on A Plain Answer, and we're talking about it from the point of view of a devotional perspective, and how did it come to us? How did God use these men of God over the course of some 1,600 years, approximately 40 men, led by the Holy Spirit to write down the very words of God, and how the Church then recognizes this as the Word of God? And some of the thoughts that the church went through in recognizing that, the general consent of all the parts, written by an apostle possessing apostolic authority. Now, here's another question, gentlemen. Are we to expect uh, future books of the Bible to be written? Uh, No. Oh, that's a simple answer. Yeah, that's a real simple no. (laughs) The answer to, to that really comes in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews one one, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, mm-hmm. whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the world. So when Jesus Christ came, in essence, that basically was the closing of the canon. That was the the last revelation, and of course the apostles witnessed to that last revelation of Jesus Christ. God has spoken finally and definitively mm-hmm. in the person of Jesus Christ. And, of course, the Bible even talks about what we have as being entirely sufficient right. for our edification. Listen to this. I quoted Second Timothy earlier 
Let me quote the whole passage of verses 16 and 17 from chapter 3. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, all that we are to believe Mm. and all that we are to do to please God, we have in our scriptures so it's all there. It's complete. It's we don't yeah. need any more. Yeah. yeah. Well, gentlemen, I see we're out of time already. I just happened to look at the clock here, and I realized, wow, this discussion went quick. Must be it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Today we've been talking about the Bible, how it came to us, how it's characterized, how the church uh, recognized it as being the divine word of God. In the studio has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Gentlemen, one minute, uh, just a quick summary. What would you say about the Bible? I would say, and indeed, it is God's Word. It's all we need for life. It is precious. You know, the, uh, the biggest problem with the Bible is when it's not read mm. and not studied. Okay. Yeah, there's an old country song called Dust on the Bible. Uh, you should not let dust collect on your Bible. It's, uh, I think I remember that song. <laughs> <laughs> it's a southern uh, uh, gospel song, an yeah. old one back uh, uh, for my parents. I think uh, my parents sang. used to play it. <laughs> yeah. well, I, can all, I can hear it right now, in fact. Well, gentlemen, don't get me sidetracked. We've been talking today about the Bible, uh, this wonderful book that God has given us, His people, the church, to guide us into all truth. It is sufficient. We need nothing more. When we open the pages of the Word of God, it is very God Himself speaking to us as His Holy Spirit illuminates it to our very soul. We would encourage you today to uh, read the Bible by faith and be taught by the Holy Spirit the things of God. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Thanks so much for joining us today for another edition of A Plain Answer. Please join us again next week at the same time for A Plain Answer.